We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. It is Ivy Nation Sports Talk, and we are up and rolling. He is Jesse Styers. I am Sean Styers, and we've got uh, an exciting, jam-packed, action-filled show for you today. Hall of Fame former Notre Dame women's basketball coach Muffet McGraw is going to join us in a little bit. We've got a lot of football talk and uh, other things coming up first. I, uh, I, I'm looking at Jesse as he sits in Cleveland. I was in that living room in Cleveland just this morning, as a matter of fact, after, uh, hitting Bruce Springsteen last night in downtown Cleveland, a lot of fun. And then, uh, we drove back this morning and we're ready to look across from each other in the monitor once again. <laughs> you could, I don't know if you could see, but, uh, over my left shoulder, but Henry looks very sad uh, that you are no longer here to play <laughs> with him yes henry uh henry was very active especially this morning he was he, he was, was up as soon as you are up he is up and re- like he's just like a little lightning bolt ready to go he is he just recharges all night and then chasing just... the little squeezy toy around and all <laughs> that, that little coin <laughs> is that what it is it's a coin i couldn't figure yeah. out what it is supposed to be <laughs> well again we've got uh, a lot We've got some football topics, both uh, Notre Dame spring practice related and Notre Dame draft related. Logan Diggs, Michael Mayer, and uh, the whole crew. And uh, DJ says, good evening, Mr. Styers, and the other Mr. Styers. I don't know who you're referring to. Yeah, who's who in there? Mr. and the other, but <laughs> could easily confuse it, but glad to have you, DJ. Since DJ, you were in here and uh, everyone else, uh, smash that like button if you would. And Jason doing his best Henry impersonation, two of my favorite guys to listen to. <laughs> Appreciate you, Jason. And Jason's Jason's uh, avatar picture looks like he's on a beach someplace. I always enjoy that, especially since we're coming out of winter. And I look forward to hopefully being on a beach again sometime soon. But uh, thanks for joining us, Jason and everyone else. Again, smash the like button, subscribe, rate, review. All that good stuff. Let's jump right into it. So Logan Diggs, Notre Dame running back, when we were at the open practice last Saturday, he was not practicing. He was uh, at the media session this morning over at Notre Dame. And he said that he's missed the last couple of weeks of spring practice with a minor leg injury, but he expects to be back soon. And he plans to play in the April 22nd Blue Gold game. So my question is, do you buy or sell that Diggs should play? in said blue gold game. Um, I am a full sell on Diggs playing in the spring game, you know, saying that you coming out and, and saying that you haven't been practicing because of an injury um, and, and knowing kind of Diggs's background um, and seeing some of the injuries we saw last year amongst the running back room, I would be comfortable with him just sitting it out. Um, the running back room is going to be overall probably Notre Dame's biggest strength this season in terms of, you know, overall position health on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, so in my opinion, it's just worth it to, to really shut it down and not really risk anything else because, you know, it's the spring game. And as much as you don't like to get passed up by other guys or see your reps go, um, you know, there there's really is no reason. They know who Diggs is. They know what his game looks like. They know how he can be utilized. 
And it's not like he he wouldn't get the you know the opportunity come fall camp. It's just I would say him being more healthy now and then you know coming out faster, stronger, more healthier and in, in uh, fall camp would be would be more ideal. He's injured today. The blue gold game is 16 days from today. So if you're 16 days out from an injury that's kept you out from a couple of weeks, what does the blue gold game matter? No, <laughs> it matters. It matters. Nada. It matters that much. Big fat goose egg. The game that matters is what happens at the end of August when they travel to Ireland to take on Navy and everything that happens after that four plus months from now. So I see no reason to get Logan Diggs on the field where they are going to be actually tackling on the field. If you're going to put flags on him, fine. I mean, and you know, I don't even know he wasn't specific about what the injury was and I get that and everything, but if again, if it's like, if it's a leg injury and you're, you're cutting, you're planting, you're doing all that stuff live. Why even bother? You know, go through light stuff, non-contact type stuff in in spring practice the next couple of weeks if if the athletic trainers deem that you're physically able to come back and be ready to go. But other than that, big sell for me as well. There's no reason for him to be out there in the blue gold game if he's been hurt. Just like there was no reason to rush Tyler Buckner out there last year or anyone else who's hurt. I, no reason to. Yeah, it's just overall, there's no benefit. Um, and, and again, for someone who's got the ex- some experience and kind of proven himself already, I mean, the spring game ultimately is, is about seeing, you know, some of the younger guys, what what they have learned and what they've you know, been able to accomplish through practice. So there's really no reason um, if, if the injury is nagging. And again, knowing his kind of previous injuries, why he should play. That is very true. Jeff Brown says he's a proven commodity, doesn't need to prove anything, sit it out. Now, did the boss play 10th Avenue freeze out at the show? How was it? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. He did. It was the second to the last <laughs> song in the encore. There was a there was a lull in the middle of the Springsteen concert last night. He played, you know, like some stuff that was not his and some slower songs that were his. And it's like, okay, come on, get past this. And then they finally, you know, kind of broke out of that. They went into Because of the Night, Nils Lofgren, still as fabulous as ever with the guitar solo on Because of the Night. And then, you know, a lot of other stuff. The the encore last night, one, they didn't even leave the stage for the encore. They turned off the lights. They kind of caught a, you know, a breather for maybe 20 seconds and they turned around. It's like Bruce is just like he's in in full. I'm not out here messing around mode. We're not going backstage and going through the motions. We're, we're going right into the uh, the encore. And it was great that Dancing with the Dark, Thunder Road, Born to Run. He played like half of the Born to Run album. I think last night in the encore alone, it was awesome. And 10th and ever 10th and ever 10th Avenue freeze out 
Thunder Road, both among two of my favorites. Badlands as well. They played Badlands. It was. What's uh, what's your take on I, I, this uh, girl that I work with went last night and she said that she was thrilled that they did a Seeger session song. Interesting. Is that one of the ones you did not enjoy? Um, now I'm not <laughs> familiar with the Seeger sessions. There was a there there was one song that you know kind of had like. You know, it was it was almost kind of jazzy pop, you know, like swinging and it, maybe that's what it was. I was not familiar with it. I don't know. Like, I know kind of like Seeger's greatest hits kind of thing, but I don't know any deep cuts, Seeger. Um, okay. So th- that was probably in the mix of songs that I did not recognize. <laughs> so, you know, to me, it was like, eh, whatever. But it was a great show. And I mean, he is still... Two hours and 45 minutes. The man is 73 years old. Two hours and 45 minutes. And they kicked it up a notch for that encore. The encore was awesome. The encore was worth the wait, I would have to say. Nice. Yes. You'll have to ask her, like, the name of that Seeger Sessions song. And I'll ha- and I'll see if I can look it up. And, and I, think, it up. I think it came from the We Shall Overcome album, which was in okay. 2006. So it that- sounds pretty recent. That makes sense with the theme of some of the stuff they were playing. Like they played Night Shift as well, which was not one of his, you know, Marvin. You know, I'm not going to get into trying to sing. But, you know. So fill in the blank. It's blank that Todd McShay has Michael Mayer going to the Dallas Cowboys at pick number 26 in his latest two-round mock draft. You know, just the people hearing that or or the, or the potential to hear it later, that, that probably made a lot of people vomit on the inside, um, you know, talking about a, a Notre Dame player going to the Cowboys. And, of course, uh-huh. it's getting brought up. But, you know, to me, it would be a match made in heaven. And if, if all these analysts and everyone, you know, the draft scouts and everything wants to devalue Michael Mayer, that's great because then that gives the Cowboys a bigger opportunity you know, to get him on that kind of back end of the first round. So I would be absolutely ecstatic. It would be a match made in heaven, in my opinion. Um, Dak Prescott could get another big target, a better inline blocker. They just let go of Dalton Schultz um, the past two years. They've let uh, Pendershot play, who they drafted, um, and another tight end. I can't think of his name. So they're young on the tight end side. And if you could add someone like Michael Mayer, I think he's just a, a more elite tight end than, than the ones that they have. I think he's a better, you know, inline blocker he's a better uh, receiving target um and, and again it would remind me of the comparison that you brought up of jason witten and i think that he would be a great fit within the Cowboys system and i think that they jerry jones might be looking uh for for the next jason witten so it would be a match made of heaven and again i i start thinking about i start thinking about you know who are some of the best cowboy players or sorry some of the best Notre Dame players that got drafted by the Cowboys. And I could only think of a few uh, Julius Jones comes to mind. And I remember ah, being really about excited Julius. about that. Yeah. Um, Rocket Ismail got drafted, but all, even though he only played three seasons with the Cowboys had some of his best receiving totals while with the Cowboys during his, you know, if we're talking season by season in his career. And then I think of Anthony Fasano too, another tight end yeah, Fasano. that came out. Why did of, I forget about Fasano? That came out of Notre Dame. So, you know, me, I'm always on board for Notre Dame guys going to the Cowboys because it obviously it goes to your favorite college team, your favorite NFL team. And the last time we saw that was Jalen Smith mm-hmm. um, when the Cowboys, you know, took a chance on him after he got hurt against Ohio State. So I really, really hope it happens. I think Dak needs another weapon considering what we saw last year in the playoffs. Dak isn't going to propel his team forward. He kind of needs more weapons to to help, you know, them propel together. Dak's not the guy who's going to take it over um, by himself. We have differing opinions in the chat on this right now. EJ says it's horse bleep. And he says, <laughs> just for info, Dallas Cowboys, my See, least favorite NFL team. I feel sorry for you, DJ. I don't know if you're an Eagles fan or a Giants fan or a, you know, who it might happen to be, but I do feel sorry for you. Maybe you should change your tune on that. On the other hand, David, <laughs> a very smart listener, says, I hope it happens. Go Cowboys. We need more people like David in the chat <laughs> more often. So, so he can, he can bring his, uh, his, uh, good stuff. Jason says it would be great for deck. This would just be, this is my dream for this. Yeah. Draft. I mean, and I think about it. Like, like you have the downfield threat with CD lamb and then kind of the underneath security blanket. We saw 
him and Drew Pine do all year. It, it would be yes. literally perfect. This is this is this is a guy who you can drop into the starting lineup, Michael Mayer, and he's going to be a starter for you for at least the next dozen years. You know, and the Jason Witten comparison I've used before, and and you talked about it. That is exactly it. He's going to give you a smart guy who can hit the field, go out there, perform right away. They just got Brandon Cooks, and you know they have CD Lamb. So now you're you're going to be able to challenge all levels if you have a tight end like Michael Mayer. And I know a lot of Cowboys fans aren't, you know, aren't thrilled with the idea of drafting a tight end. Most of them are, you know, are, 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 have their man crush and, you know, woman crushes on Bijan Robinson. I just don't know that, that anyone picking around 25, 26 is going to be able to get Robinson unless you're willing to trade up and probably get him. This would be an excellent add to the, to the Cowboys offense. When you think about, like what Dak Prescott needs, it's it's not enough just to have an okay tight end, and that's really what they've got otherwise. This would be a very above-average tight end, especially for a rookie who can grow into a year-in, year-out Pro Bowl-type guy if, it, you know, if they get him. And as Jeff said, if it goes down, it would be as good as the pick for Zach Martin. Yeah, I can't believe I 16. forgot Zach I Martin when I was talking about Nerdian I couldn't remember. If, I, I, was, I was wondering <laughs> if you mentioned him. I didn't think you did. But yeah, um, if a team traded up just in front of the boys and, and took mayor, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That was just, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go through draft night with something. You know, what's like crazy though, is Jeff brought up the comment about them going Zach Martin that year. Jerry Jones wanted to take Johnny Manziel and got he talked did. into taking Zach Martin. And I think Steven that was Jones a revolutionary change yeah. in the organization. I think if they took Johnny and didn't get Zach Martin, I think the team would look a lot different right now. And that sounds dramatic, but I'm I'm pretty certain of it because that revitalized their offensive line with him and, and Tyron at left tackle out there. I just hope that Zach Martin's career doesn't get wasted without, you know, like legitimate winning football here. At the end. <laughs> I hope he doesn't end up like having to go someplace else to finish up like right that's like again what they've what they've got on defense and what they've added on offense if you dropped a michael mayer into the middle Oof. of that I well just... he just fits and again not not to sound like a homer here because i'm a cowboys fan but he fits what they do they like to run power run um and, and they're really a good offensive line unit and then it, you add you know his ability to get downfield and catch the ball and some of mm -hmm. these kind of you know Dak likes to let the ball loose. He's a good, he's like top 10 all time in completion percentage. He's a good quarterback in that regard. So I think he's, he's absolutely a good fit. Absolutely. Which is probably why it won't happen, <laughs> but <laughs> it's fun to, to see. That's right. It's fun to see. I, I was like, I was scrolling through, of course, it's like, okay, you know, I'm looking as I'm looking at, at, McShay's first round and he's got a couple of trades up at the top. It's like, okay, that doesn't have anything to do with, you know, either Notre Dame or the Cowboys. And that's what I'm looking for. Where does he have mayor? Where does he have Isaiah Foskey? Who does he have the Cowboys taken? And then my, my heart just skipped a beat when I saw Michael Mayer going to Dallas at number 26. So we're only a couple of weeks away. It's the week after the blue gold, I guess three weeks away at the, three weeks from today, as a matter of fact, is when the draft starts. So it's coming. It's going to be here before we know it. Speaking of Isaiah Foskey, it is also blank that McShay does not have Foskey being picked in the first two rounds of that latest mock that he has. You know, it's surprising, but not surprising at the same time, because I've seen a lot of grades with Foskey being, you know, either a late round kind of second guy or an early third round. So Am I overall like shocked by that? No. Do I think that Foskey belongs as a second round grade? I do. But unfortunately, when it comes down to the draft, it's not necessarily are you, you know, a second round player. It just it happened. You know, you don't know where picks are going to fall. You don't know what teams are going to be needing at specific times of the rounds. Like it to me, it, everyone has a game plan going into the draft, but no one knows how the draft is going to unfold. And so when people start getting picked in front of you and then you have to reevaluate what you need and then, you know, maybe there's some some better defensive ends still on the board because no one's taking defensive ends. You just don't know how it's going to shake out. So yeah. I put him in that second to third round range. And so him falling out of the second really isn't a big deal. I think the bigger conversation to me would be him falling out of the third round and into the fourth round. I think that yeah. would be the bigger conversation. 
And McShade does have, I think it's seven defensive ends going in the first two rounds, along with a couple, you know, a handful of outside linebackers as well. So he's got a lot of edge type guys, which probably means if he's got that many guys going in the first two rounds, it probably means Isaiah Foskey is coming up next. You know, he's he's in that top 10, I believe. But, you know, DJ says it is not overly surprising. I wonder two things. One thing I've heard some NFL draft evaluators talk about the last few years with that Viper end position is the fact that it calls for those, you know, Notre Dame guys specifically to drop into coverage. And that takes away from some of their rush opportunities. It takes away from, you know, more sacks and, and things like that. I wonder how much that comes into play. I also wonder, he didn't show consistently the ability to use multiple moves. It was, there was a lot of, you know, more like power bull rush type stuff getting to the quarterback. He didn't have a lot of, you know, secondary type moves to get to the quarterback that he was showing. And I do wonder how much that potentially comes into play in his evaluation as well. I don't know, but yeah, I, I don't think it's overly surprising based on some of the evaluations, but I did think that he was probably going to be at, at worst a mid second rounder coming into this draft process, but it doesn't seem like, you know, he is, he's not climbing. Unfortunately, he's, he's slipping a little bit more than he's climbing right now, the but thing I'm with is you too. Foskey's just a little bit more raw compared to the other guys. I think he needs kind of, you know, like you were talking about once he gets to a team, I think that team will have not like a project on their hands, but they can still teach him and mold him into a lot of things. And I think his yeah. ceiling hasn't been tapped yet. Like he, he still has so much more potential of learning and becoming a true defensive end and like every like you said and like people are kind of saying in the chat like he just needs to develop more moves and and be more of like a true defensive end and kind of develop his art of being a defensive end yeah jason's asking when dalen hayes went and he went later it seems like, and i can't remember right off the top of my head exactly what round it definitely wasn't in the first couple but i'd, I'd have to look that up and see where he went but you would think that isaiah foskey would be going higher than that so let's switch, kind of speaking on the NFL topic. You know, there's been all this talk about Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. It, you know, it it seems like eventually he's going to be a New York Jet if they can ever uh, come to an agreement on what the trade package is going to be, what the draft picks are going to look like. So assuming that Rodgers is going to now be among the AFC quarterbacks, he's going to the AFC to play with the Jets, does he make your top five? How would you rank your top five AFC quarterbacks? Okay, so this is this is hard because I think if you ask me this, it, yeah, the AFC is loaded compared to the NFC um, and quarterbacks. So if you asked me this question five years ago, I think not, not even think I would put Rodgers in my top five. But you know, recently last year and the talks of retirement. And all of the other off the field stuff, I just don't know if he's all the way in like he used to be. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if he still has that edge and it really means something to him like this at, at, at this point in his career. So honestly, I would not put Rodgers in my top five. My top five would be uh, Mahomes one, Burrow two, Josh Allen three, Herbert four, and Lamar Jackson five. Interesting, because I was wondering... You know, we were, we were each doing our own top five in this. My top three is exactly like yours. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. And then you had Herbert at four, Jackson at five. I've got him flip-flopped. I've got Lamar Jackson. And at I four, battled Herbert between that for a long time. I did too. <laughs> I did too. Because, you know, like, I, I'm like, well, he is still a former MVP. That's something that Herbert doesn't have yet, you know. And, and there's not a whole lot of a big talent around Lamar Jackson, you know, out there in Baltimore. So I think that that, I mean, and there's not a ton around Justin Herbert. He's got a couple of guys, but in comparison. So yeah, I think that they're really close and I would put Aaron Rodgers at number six, just right behind those guys. But for a lot of the reasons that you're talking about, like I put Herbert in front of him because I definitely feel like Herbert is much more invested and is Aaron Rodgers just like, you know, he's got, 
one foot out the door right now. That would, uh, that's what I would wonder. And Jason Smith says that would be his exact list. As Mine well. are yours. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Michael Johnson, back to the draft stuff. He wants to know, do the draft experts even talk to the schools? Now the experts, I would think that guys like McShay and Kuiper, you know, they've, they've obviously got a lot of context and that is, that's how they base a lot of their stuff. You know, like what level of expert you know, and what, you know, what contacts they have with which schools and stuff like that. Most of these guys are talking to somebody. They're, they're not just pulling it out of their head. You know, they're not like fantasy football draft experts, you know, <laughs> they are actually talking to contacts and that's how, at least the good ones anyway, that's how they put together their mocks. It's based on conversations, contacts that they've got with both guys, you know, people around the league, you know, and some schools and stuff like that. You know, Michael, you bring be- up a good point though, because I've said this before, meteorologists, bracketologists, and draft quote unquote, like these draft experts would be the ideal job because they are wrong more than they are right. And they still get <laughs> paid decently well. <laughs> well, and that's the fun thing about mocks, right? Cause like we were sitting there talking about Michael Mayer and that's why I said, there's no way it's going to happen because you know, like, a few of those picks are going to go exactly everybody has them up at the top because, you know, we know exactly what most of those teams need. Trades can throw a little bit of a wrench into things as in, you know, in terms of who ends up going where, but like after you get out of really probably the top three in any given year, you start getting some surprises in there. Teams will start reaching a little bit. They'll throw you some curveballs that you weren't expecting. And, you know, let's let's be honest, especially right now with three weeks to go, a lot of this stuff is smoke screens as well. So, you know, again, like if if McShay or Kuiper or whoever is getting information from NFL teams, they, you know, they could be getting fed something because they want you looking to the left when they decide they're going to go to the right. So. Yeah, and we, it, we are not Marshall brings up, I, I think, like a, a big talking point that comes around. Lamar Jackson. And this is, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. We are not Marshall. I think it opens up a good discussion. You know, I I understand that he's not, you know, this elite thrower and not going to be like, you know, Mahomes every year or, you know, Burrow and stuff, but Burrow and Mahomes, they don't, I guess Mahomes a little bit more so, but a guy like Burrow, like Lamar extends plays and creates plays with his mobility. And I get it that like that frustrates people because, you know, you, you can claim that he's not a true quarterback, but right. being able to generate yards, I, I look at it as almost like combined yards, what he can do with his passing and rushing and combined touchdowns that he can throw and run for just overall kind of offensive production. And I get it. Like Trevor Lawrence, I debated him right. a lot. And that's too, what I was, that's what I was going to ask. Lamar has an MVP. It's hard right. to say, you know, against a guy that has an MVP. We are not Marshall said he would put Lawrence ahead of, of Jackson. And maybe if you're thinking of quarterback in the true sense, but you've also got to remember, even though Lamar Jackson doesn't have the 3000 yard passing season, like you're talking about, he does have a 1000 yard rushing season, you know, like that's, that's part of his game. And I've said it before, if you're going to have Lamar Jackson, you have to build a specific offense around him. And, you know, like, that's why when all this talk was was coming up originally, would I want Lamar Jackson? My initial inkling was no because of that. But again, like when you look at some specific fits, I don't think he's a good fit for, you know, like 99% of the league. But like the Indianapolis Colts with Shane Steichen, who just came out of Jalen Hurts, I think he does make sense for the Indianapolis Colts. I think, it, you know, like his style makes a lot of sense. It's just... It's it's just your preference. If you want that kind of quarterback who's going to run the ball, then he he it's it's still about winning football games, and he has still won a lot of football games. And as you said, Jesse, he's got an MVP. Right. So and you know, I get it. I'd up, like to see Trevor Lawrence do it a little bit longer than just one right. year. Right. And that's well. what I'm. That's where I battled it too. And Jason brings up a good a good point. Like, what's name a wide receiver threat that Baltimore has had? with Lamar at quarterback, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Hollywood, Hollywood Brown was probably the biggest name that he had at wide receiver. I mean, 
he had Miles Boykin there for a little bit. But you know, Michael was boy or Miles Boykin isn't a true number one threat. And that's that's kind of you know something that he's been lacking a little bit too. But not to get you know too caught up on Lamar Jackson. I think we got to switch over to the NFC no, quarterbacks but now. Real quick, Michael is saying which quarterback would you take in Dallas if they traded Lamar? Or Dak and and I would not want Lamar Jackson in that case because I don't want that kind of you know an offense that has to be built around a running quarterback. I prefer a more traditional you know more conventional type offense where the quarterback is throwing the football downfield. So that's Dak is not perfect. I would like to see you know like if if he gets <laughs> some of these you know he's already got Brandon Cooks and again you give him Michael Mayer and they get another running back I'd be really excited to see what that offense looks like this year. Definitely. All right, let's let's flip it to the NFC Oof. now, where I think that Oof. this gets like this, this, <laughs> this is, is hard. Like like the AFC is hard just because there are so many good quarterbacks and now you're going <laughs> to rank them. The NFC that is not the case. <laughs> so. So which way are you going with your NFC quarterback? Ah, this is hard. I know I'm probably going to catch a decent amount of flack for this, but I'm going to go Matt Stafford number one. Ooh, okay. I like the bit. You know, he got he got weighed down for a while there in Detroit, but he's a great quarterback, a great passer, great arm strength. I mean, was the number one quarterback coming out of high school? Was the number one quarterback coming out of college? Was the number one draft pick like? Matt Stafford's a dude when we talk about quarterback. He got put on a good team, won a Super Bowl. Now he's old and kind of going through some injuries, you know, the last year. But fully healthy, Matt Stafford is an elite quarterback. True. Okay. The next four are really hard and are subject to change. It's it's almost all opinions. Oh, it's all opinions. <laughs> so I'm going to go Dak next at okay. number two. Okay. I'm going to go Jalen Hurts at number three. And the okay. reason, and people are going to give me a hard time, but it's Jalen Hurts has only done it for one year. One year is all he's done it for. He had a really good roster, probably one of the top three rosters in all of NFL. You know, considering all anybody talked about coming into the season. Oh, the roster, the Eagles roster. Right. They've lost some guys now already. Offensive line, they had a really good one. Good wide receivers, good rotation at running back, solid defense. So, like, I need to see more out of Jalen. If he does it again, I'd put him above Dak. Okay, so number four, Kirk Cousins, often referred to as the white Dak Prescott. Those guys have very similar numbers. So they're, you know, they're, I hate when people say Cousins is better than Dak, but the numbers are really, really even. And then the five was a toss up. It's like, do you go Derek Carr? Do you go Kyler Murray? Do you go, you know, where do you go? I'm going to go with Kyler Murray, even though he's been, you know, a diva of the last couple seasons and people don't know if he's all in on football or if he wants to play video games in his spare time, you know, I don't know, but yeah, that's my top five Stafford, Dak, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, and then Kyler Murray. So we've got a lot of the same guys and I really struggled, especially at number five in the order we've got these in. And I think you're right. I think Matthew Stafford is only one season removed from winning a Super Bowl after playing forever in Detroit and you know barely being able to get to the playoffs. So like for for one, like think about this, like what you're left with after Tom Brady and Drew Brees retired and now Aaron Rodgers potentially going to the <laughs> AFC, like those three they held it down playing, for a while. They were all playing in the NFC just 2 years ago and now I guess three years ago because Breeze has been out for two years now. But they were all together in the NFC. Now they're all gone. So the complexion looks a lot different. I agree. Stafford has to be number one. I'm giving Jalen Hurts number two. Like, especially you're you're right. Like the roster, a lot, a lot different. You know, the talent level that the Eagles had. And I think you can argue that they were probably coached a little bit better as well. Dak Prescott did not have a great season. Now they scored some points, but in crucial moments, he was not good the last month or so, you know, really month and a half, I guess, of the season after he came back. So I've got to put Dak at number three. Now, I, you know, I agree. Like they didn't get to play each other last year, which hurt Prescott, which, you know, one was hurt, you know, uh, Prescott was hurt when the Eagles won. Hertz was injured when the Cowboys won. I want to. I do want to see them both healthy and see them go head to head. This yeah. Season. You know, like I want to see that. I was hoping to get that in the playoffs. But the other thing is, 
Dak, you know, like going back to Carson Wentz, Dak has a lot of success against the Eagles. You know, even when the Eagles went going to the Super Bowl last year, they still won a game, the only game he started against them, regardless of who the quarterback was. So so I put Hurts at number two, Prescott at number three, Kirk Cousins at number four. And it's really we're into default area here. <laughs> That's what like, I mean. Five was five is like a pick'em. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, do I want to go with Kyler Murray? Do I want to go with Derek Carr since he's with New Orleans now? Like, if I'm gonna give Jalen Hurts the benefit of the doubt for his one season with the Eagles and put him ahead of Dak, I'm gonna put Put our guy Gino, Gino Smith in there. Hey, there we five. go. I debated Gino too. Yeah. If he can play like this with that roster last year, I mean, yes. he can get even better. I became a big Gino Smith fan last year. I was I was glad to see him do what he did. So I put Gino in there at number five. We are not Marshall brought up another guy that I seriously debated in Jared Goff, but I just I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sold on Jared Goff. I think that the 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 head coach and what was built around the Lions last year in a different kind of mentality and mindset was a bigger difference than Jared Goff being there. Um, and I, you know, he did say Jared Goff was really good last year. I do think Jared Goff is a little underrated. And, I, you know, it was fun to kind of watch those Lions do what they did with Jared Goff. And I think for him, especially being part of that Matthew Stafford trade, essentially being cast off to – you know, Siberia <laughs> going to Detroit. It's like NFL Siberia. You know, I was glad to see him do what he did. I'd like to see them put a little more talent around him and see what they were able to do. I do think that he's a bit underrated, you know, since he was kind of the fall guy for, for the he, It's, it's easy to forget that he actually did get the Rams to a Super Bowl, even if yeah. they didn't win it. And then they blamed it on him for losing. <laughs> right. Exactly. A uh, couple different follow-ups. Jeff said Dalen Hayes, fifth-round pick. I I was thinking it was fourth round at best, but I you know again I couldn't remember off the top of my head. So Dalen Hayes, fifth-round pick, and then Michael Campbell. There's a false impression and narrative that Lamar Jackson isn't throwing the ball from the pocket at a top level to overshadow it because he can run fast and why he didn't run the forty. And I mean he does throw from the pocket. He needs some different receivers as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And his, you know, his short, his short accuracy. I, could it, also it's saying something more. when Mark Andrews, the tight end, is your best receiving threat in Baltimore. Right. right. Exactly. All right. Moving on to some basketball. Jay Billis has some rules that he wants to change in men's college basketball. The top two. Go to four quarters like the rest of the basketball playing world. And the other one, advance the ball to midcourt for late game plays. NBA, FIBA, women's college basketball all have these rules. Do you buy or sell? You can take them one at a time if you want. Start with the quarters. Do you like that? Yes. I think that everyone else, you know, the women's, the NBA, they all play four quarters. I think men need to naturally – and sorry, the WNBA also plays four quarters. It, it's just so stupid to me that the men's college game is the only basketball version right now, college and professional within the United States, that doesn't have four quarters. So I am 100% by on the four quarters. I am too. I, you know, I really like it. As someone who's called the women's games for the last few years now – I really love just the way the flow of the game works with the quarters. It just seems like the pace, it it the, the way it breaks it up, you've got that natural break instead of 20 full minutes for the first half like the men have right now. You got 10 minute, 10 minute, and you've got a break in the middle and you've got a natural media break in the middle as well and you know, there are, there are fewer timeouts, which you know, I think that coaches can go overboard anyway with the timeouts because you get the natural timeout in the middle, and it also creates more action at the end of each quarter. You know, like with, with you know, clock winding down and all that kind of stuff. It, it creates more natural action. So I like it a lot. Yeah, and then the second one, advancing the ball to midcourt for late game plays. Um, I'm I'm fifty percent buy, fifty percent sell. I think I've said this before. 
I am in favor of having it just like the NBA does it. If you take a timeout and you can then advance the ball to the, to the half court, essentially, I don't think that you should automatically get, get it there. I think you should get rewarded right. for having you your call, timeouts. You have to call a timeout. Right. And okay. that's how the women's game does it right now. Okay. Like, so I must, if that's the interpretation, to, yeah. then yes, yeah. a timeout should get you the ball at half court because I've said it before. You should get rewarded for banking and you not, you know, like basically storing those timeouts through the game and, and not get punished for not being able to use them. Because at the end, if you're down, you know, and you have a couple of timeouts left, you should right. be rewarded by using that timeout and getting the ball at half court. There's incentive. There's incentive to keeping those timeouts. And that, yeah. And then you're you not know. just burning them throughout the game and stopping exactly. the clock even more with media timeouts. And yeah. everything. And, the, and then there's strategy at the end of the game. Right. If it's close, like, you know, when are you like, do you because calling the timeout, obviously, as soon as you call the timeout, it, it gets you the ball at midcourt, you know, where you're, you know, where you're inbounding in front court. And again, it creates more natural, natural action that way, the, the ability to get it in. And, you know, like, I, I don't understand if the NBA has it, why is it too good for men's college basketball? I don't, right. I don't get that. <laughs> Do you like, no, I don't. I don't get it at all, but I, I, I agree. I think both of these are great rules and they've helped bring more action to the women's game. And again, the NBA has them. So there's no reason not. Now, the one thing that I've heard against the quarters is, well, if you do the, if you get quarters, then you've got to, you know, reset the fouls because that's what the women do. They reset the fouls. Now the NBA, they don't reset the fouls, right? No, because the women have also done away with the one and one basically by doing this, that was part of their deal. You don't necessarily have to do that. If you're the men, you could still do quarters and keep the, you know, not have to reset the fouls every quarter and, and keep the foul situation the same. So like you, you don't just because you, you go to quarters like the women have, doesn't mean you have to set your rules exactly like the women have. Like, so if that's the only thing against it, you know, it's just like two quarters and then don't reset the fouls. Just keep it the way you've got it. Yeah. It's very simple. I agree. Yeah. Cause again, like high school, does that, you, you know, it's, you know, the bonus and, and the whole thing works exactly the same as in college. So I, I just, I don't understand what the holdup is. They need to do it. <laughs> it's like they're stuck and not changing only men's college basketball. It's I know. Weird. I know. I don't get it. So a little baseball question for you, which new Chicago Cub, Mr. Cubs fan, one of a couple of diehard Cubs fans, on this show, which are you most, who are you most excited about? Which new cub, Cody Bellinger, Eric Hosmer, Dansby Swanson, Trey Mancini. Um, so there's a lot of interest for, for multiple reasons, I, I guess, and no offense to this guy, but I'm going to eliminate one off the bat and that's Eric Hosmer. I think he's a solid player. I think his prime has definitely passed him. His best years, you know, we're in Kansas City, and then he got that deal to go to the Padres, and there's a reason why he's not on the Padres and on the Cubs now, right? Like, let's be honest about it. So I get rid of Hosmer. Um, from there, I have Mancini, Dansby, or Bellinger. Next guy I'd get rid of is Mancini, and the reason why I have a, you know, connection with Mancini is because he did play at Notre Dame, and I think that right. that's kind of cool. Like, we talked about, you know, Notre Dame guys going to the Cowboys, and it's the same thing. I like seeing Notre Dame guys on the Cubs, Granted that they're good. Like when Jeff Samarja was with the Cubs, I was that was like electric. That was, you know, really cool after coming over to the Cubs from San Francisco, I believe is where he came from. Um, so it comes down to Cody Bellinger and Dansby Swanson. Um, I'm going to get rid of Cody Bellinger. And this one was hard because he does have an MVP, but he's coming off of, you know, his big like you you look at his MVP season and then you look at last season. The, it's the biggest, most drastic difference in batting average and strikeout percentage. He's having, you know, last year he had a low in batting average and a high in strikeout percent, strikeout percentage. Um, and so my winner is Dansby Swanson, just because of you look at his year last year with Atlanta, he played all 162 games as the starting shortstop. That's, I love that. You know, your starting shortstop can run out there every game. Mm -hmm. He's consistent. And then last year was his best year in terms of personal success. He was an all-star. He got a gold glove. Um, he had just just near 100 RBIs with 96. 
He had 25 home runs. Those were both, you know, personal best years for him. And then you start looking at batting average. He batted 277 last year. And again, that's a very solid number considering where the game was at last year. And that was also another personal best for him. So what I'm saying is Dansby is 29 years old and coming off the hottest, you know, year of his career. And then watching him this year, he's batting in 500. The guy can't get out. He's got 10 hits and 20 plate appearances. Had a horrible spring, but he's on right now. Yeah, he had like four hits all the spring. And then all of a sudden he comes out and, you know, he's batting 500. You know, through, I get it. It's like four or five games, whatever. But it no one else is doing that for the Cubs. You know, he's batting 500. And then the other thing that's cool and, you know, what uh, Shiambi, Book Shiambi was talking about the other night on, on the, the broadcast was, Watching Dansby play defense is kind of cool because he's the type of guy where he knows internally how much time he's got and, you know, what he needs to put on the throw. And it's like you watch him. He just beat this guy the other night by a step, but he didn't throw it his 100 percent hardest. Like he knows as a you know defender when he can let it let it eat, let it rip and when he can just put enough on it to, to get a guy out. So. I just I'm really excited about, you know, his offensive production. And again, the fact that he played all 162 games at shortstop. He's a very solid defender. He won the gold glove last year. So I think this is easy for me and, and Dansby Swanson. Yeah, I mean, he's the one that probably opened my eyes the most when they went out and got him like these other guys. Hosmer, like as a Royals fan, he was good for that Royals team because he was a left hand bat. Great defensive first baseman. He has speed. And for that ballpark, that Kauffman Stadium, where the Royals play, he was the perfect kind of first baseman for that ballpark. He is not a home run threat, though. Like really, outside of can like outside of Kansas City, there aren't really what I would call, you know, a, he's not a great fit because of the fact that he's a non-plus power first baseman type guy. Bellinger, he's been his skills have been tapering off the last few years. Swanson definitely great. What's what's interesting to me is like the fact that all four of these guys won World Series <laughs> with right. <other> teams. <laughs> they have you a know? lot of World Series experience on this team. Yeah, exactly. They they went out, and I don't know how much that was a factor when they went out and got these guys, but when you're trying to rebuild once again and restock the roster the way they did by going out and getting these guys, they definitely added some some veterans with winning experience. So I think that, that was big. I'm just going with Mancini. I get with, with what you're saying about Dansby Swanson. And I think you're right on with a lot of it, but I, you know, I do like Mancini's versatility. He can play outfield for you. He's a good athletic first baseman. Like if you're going to give Hosmer the day off or, or put him at DH and obviously Mancini can DH as well. And uh, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, he, got traded in the middle of the season or late in the season last year to the Astros and helped them win it all. So I, I think that it's cool that, that he's in Chicago and, and uh, look forward to hopefully getting over there. To It's been a couple of years since we've been to Wrigley. We need to get over there. I think this summer. You and I speak for yourself. I, I just was there last week. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. That's right. You were out there freezing. I forgot about that. When are you going to your first uh, guards game, by the way? Do you know yet? That's a good question. I I, I think I'm going to wait until like May. It, wait until it warms up a little bit? Just a little bit. You know, we had the partial season tickets last year. So I, ha I, went, I went to probably by the time it was all said and done last year, I probably went to at least half 
No, that's a stretch. I probably went to like 25 Guardian games last year, so like a quarter of their home games. It's okay. It's fun, but it's a lot of games, you know. And then when you have the tickets, you feel obligated to go because obviously yes. you paid for them, right? That's and exactly so, right. You need to go. <laughs> so this year we're more so kind of taking a step back and going to kind of pick and choose the games we want to go to. And, you know, we use this app called game time. So you get, you know, tickets at a a pretty cheaper price. And then I've talked to you about this and it's a, it's a great concept. Um, The guardians are doing this um, basically monthly subscription where you can get standing room tickets to every home game for the month. Um, And you, you can, you can do it month per month. It's like a monthly subscription. So I could do it for the month of May, get every, get tickets to every home game and standing room only not do it for June and then resubscribe in July. And again, get every ticket to every home game with standing room. So I think we're going to kind of wait until the, it heats up and then go to it in the thick of things like June, July, August, we we, we're looking at, and again, it's only, it's only $50 a month to, to get standing room tickets to every home game. So We'll pick and choose, I think, this year and not kind of have a more set, you know, obligated schedule to go to games this season. But we'll right. definitely we'll we'll go to more than at least 10 games this year. All right. Sounds good. Well, Jess, appreciate it as always. You'll be off tomorrow, right? Yeah. So tomorrow's opening day for Cleveland. Even though I'm not going uh, to the game, a, a big group of us are going to hang out. And then the next day I have the Burt Kreischer comedian show. So I have a pretty busy weekend here coming up. And I have tomorrow off from work as well. The, That's the right. regular That's right. eight to five job. So I, I got to utilize my day off to the most of my ability. <laughs> Vince is rolling back in tomorrow. So it'll be Vince and I for the Friday Rapid Show. He's going to be spring show. break hungover. You know, he well. hasn't had to do much this week. That's right. All right. We have a good weekend. We'll talk next week. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.